Welcome to The Common Share, a podcast about cooperative businesses. I'm Asa Marshall with Cooperatives First, an organization that promotes co-op business development in rural and Indigenous communities across Western Canada. We're recording in Saskatoon on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. Fern Albush is the Director of Sustainability at our funder organization, Federated Cooperatives Limited which is a manufacturer and wholesaler of fuel, food, home building supplies, and agricultural products. Fern's early professional life began in archaeology, but after completing his master's degree in environmental science and public policy, he shifted to environmental management, and later to social responsibility and environmental sustainability. He's worked for environmental and government relations consulting firms, the Alberta government, privately owned corporations, and cooperatives. In that time, Fern said he has observed how civil society, governments, and corporations have dealt with the environmental and social impacts of economic prosperity. In this episode, Fern and I spoke about what environmental sustainability is, FCL's approach to sustainability, and why cooperatives are uniquely positioned to shift towards being more environmentally sustainable. So Federated Cooperatives Limited currently puts sustainability really front and center. And I know you guys have started putting um, sustainability as a section in your annual report to really highlight how important that is, how central it is to the cooperative. So before we dive into your specific approach, can you tell us what, what exactly does environmental sustainability mean? How do you define that? Yeah, Um well, I, I tend to, an FCL tends to take a look at uh, sustainability in terms of, you know, going back to the concept of sustainable development, which is basically, you know, how do we ensure that future generations can pursue the economic advantages and social advantages that we've enjoyed and continue to evolve in a way that is in keeping with uh, an ecosystem that supports that? Uh, so really, it's, you know, making sure that the actions we take today do not jeopardize the opportunities for the future. Yeah. Given that definition, given that FCL has adopted that as its view, what does sustainability mean for Federated Cooperatives Limited, especially given that they are an energy producer? Yeah, well, it's fundamental. It's core. <laughs> it's absolutely core to our existence now and going into the future. Um FCL has, I refer to Federated as FCL, has um, a vision of building sustainable communities together. And, and uh, we've installed that as the vision. We've further installed care for the environment as a main attribute of our brand expression. And therefore, all that we do, all who we are is geared around caring for the environment and being sustainable. Recently, our organization made a significant change in pivoting toward renewable diesel. As a petroleum refiner, uh, moving toward renewable diesel is huge in terms of its decision making. And, and it really sets us on a course uh, to significantly reduce our emissions and to provide a more sustainable fuel for our members and customers into the future. Recognizing that without a crystal ball, it's, and even with one, <laughs> it's hard to predict where 
transportation is going to be going in the future and the use of petroleum fuels to you know, drive our economy, not only in transportation, but in all the other industrial applications and where it's used. And this transition is going to be a long transition, but we need to start. And so while we don't have a plan that's going to take us out right to 2050 yet, we certainly have one that's going to take us out the next 10 years and beyond. Absolutely. And that sounds like a significant investment on the part of of FCO. Billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you can read about, it. of course, we published that on our on our website. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that renewable diesel plant is a significant uh, shift away from the fossil fuels as the primary product that we sell out of our refinery. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big change there. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, FCL being a cooperative itself, do you think that cooperatives are well-placed to implement sustainable initiatives uh, due to the way the, the way they're structured, the way they function. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, cooperatives, in, in my view, and many people's view, I've spoken about cooperatives. I mean, it, it really is an organization that's set up often to address where markets have failed, mm-hmm. to find a place uh, of need and provide that need through a, 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 a community and collaborative approach. Um, but the, 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 the unique features of a co-op so well aligned to sustainability. One, uh, because um, while profit is important or having a revenue surplus is important at the end of the day for reinvestment and continued viability of an organization, if you're not profitable, you won't be around very long and you can't enact change. Um, it is not... Uh, the primary driving factor. It's about providing the services, providing them uh, in a way that meets the expectations of the membership and the membership being broadly based in community typically or representing a broad-based community gives us, I think, a very robust uh, input in terms of decision-making that takes into account societal change, maybe more immediately uh, because of the connection between owners and users. That's a fundamental difference between joint stock capital companies, for example, and co-ops that brings the sort of stakeholder view of materiality around sustainability front and center, perhaps faster and with a greater degree of understanding than you might get or at least the opportunity to do that. Maybe that's a better way of framing it. The other thing that's really um, distinctive about the cooperative model is um, the long-term view that is held. Cooperations, I mean, I had a former CEO in credit union at service who used to refer to um, this as being a steward of a generational trust. I really like that thought and that concept and idea. And that's really what we are. We're stewards of the cooperative from period to period. So, and also because our investors are our owners and they understand the services being provided and the fundamental view of what the cooperative is established to become. Um, there is a greater understanding in taking a longer term view about making sure that we do things in a way that is sustainable for the future, as opposed to 
um, being driven by ever increasing quarterly returns to satisfy um, shareholders who may have very little agency to the purposes and mandate of the organization itself. And so, you know, without that quarterly pressure, and I, I don't want to say it doesn't exist because it needs to exist. We have to be, I want to say this, we have to be efficient. We have to compete. We have to be profitable, but, but we don't have to continually um, sacrifice the things that brought us here to just make a few extra bucks at the end of the year. And we're not going to do that. That's just not within the model. And the reason we're not going to do that is the third reason we're so different is because of the governance structure of cooperatives. The owners are the users. They're the people who expect the services. If the services aren't aligned with their expectations, guess what? They get to vote and they get to change the governance and the leadership of organizations. And they have the power to do that. And uh, again, I'll go back to a former colleague who said, you know, sometimes the opportunity to vote in a cooperative uh, doesn't seem to be that important because people don't show up always for annual general meetings to cast their vote. But it's knowing that they can. And when those periods of crisis emerge where change needs to happen, the knowing you can and able and then being able to affect that change is significant. So if you want to do something that is against the general consensus of the membership and you put that to a vote, you will see people show up. But that's when they show up. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, given that FCL's members are a really diverse set of cooperatives spanning across Western Canada, do the individual co-op associations have their own ideas about sustainability? And, and do you see maybe ideas being shared across such a, across that network? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, so we exist because of the retail co-ops you know, really created to serve them. We are the shared services back office, centralized manufacturing, distribution, and warehousing of all of the commodities that end up um, uh, hitting the retail customer, uh, the front line, if you will, mm-hmm. of, uh, of our cooperative model. So um, just, just knowing that it is critical that when we think of sustainability, we think of it not only for FCL, which we have to do as an organization, but what is the value that we, we are going to bring to the local co-ops and eventually through that uh, value chain to the end user? Where is the value for our members and our members' members, if you want to think of it in those terms? And so, yes, our local co-ops each have their own view of sustainability, which is driven by their members and their stakeholders. Um, It's not dissimilar to that with FCL, as you may imagine. I mean, environment, social, and governments are all very, very important in the minds of um, uh, those members. To facilitate that um, at FCL, we have structured a environmental um, committee, which has representation uh, from uh, a select number of co-ops who are particularly interested in moving their sustainability agenda forward. And we do share our, uh, our you know, things that worked well and things that didn't yeah. and continue to try and drive 
um, educate, drive, and learn from one another. And it, it is a fast-moving space. Uh, my team often says that, you know, Vern, for the last several years, it's felt like we've been pushing a boulder uphill to get anyone to listen to us. And now we're running downhill as fast as we can, chasing it and, and you know, trying to get in front of the change and the, and the adoption of sustainable uh, actions these days. So clearly, um, we've, we've passed the, um, the threshold. Mm -hmm. It's becoming fairly mainstream. And uh, quite frankly, it's becoming critical in terms of our economic success and viability long term to make sure that we are operating in a sustainable way, mm -hmm. delivering the sustainable products and services that our members are increasingly demanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, you know, it's important to recognize what worked and also what didn't work. So I imagine there's a bit of trial and error in that process as well as you've built your sustainability uh, approach. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing that does work, uh, obviously, is making sure that you're staying in touch with the stakeholders and understanding that. But the world is changing rapidly. Um, the capital markets, as I'm sure you're aware, the capital markets, insurance companies, chartered banks, credit unions, for that matter, and um, and uh, investors generally, pension funds, et cetera, are all having different expectations about performance. It's not that they weren't there before, but now there is a drive for some consistent disclosure. Uh, and that is a change. That is a change that is affecting right now publicly traded companies through the SEC in the United States and, and uh, federally funded financial institutions and federal departments in Canada right now mandated some disclosure. And that is going to continue to increase, but also in terms of its, its um, the number of organizations who are captured in that and the demands from those who are providing capital and insurance to companies. So we're no different at FCL. You know, we, we typically are self-funded, but occasionally go to the market. Uh, well, the market, we take, go to raise capital outside of our membership sometimes and uh, we buy insurance. And so these are important considerations that uh matter in terms of the cost of that capital and the cost of that insurance or whether you can even get it going forward. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, so you, you've touched on this a little as well already, Vern, but maybe you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what does sustainability mean when your company isn't driven primarily uh, by profit? How does that change the approach to environmental sustainability, um, sustainable development? Right. Uh, well, as I mentioned, I think it, it, it means that we have a more accepting stakeholder base to take our time, go slow, think this through, and make sure that we're making the best decisions on behalf of the competing interests going forward. So um, our energy roadmap, which led to a decision to develop the renewable diesel. I mean, this is a four-year project. It wasn't a quick decision. There's a lot of considerations that needed to come into play. Um, I can see, you know, we will be driven by regulatory change, which we have to react to and make sure we're in compliance on. But uh, longer term, 
on public policy, we have an opportunity to think about how we want to shape that public policy and work with our external stakeholders, our industry groups and governments to do that. So we get we have an opportunity to play and shape in a way that is collaborative and in a way that I think will produce better results for our organization. Um, uh, we it doesn't mean that we're going to analyze forever. We do have to be innovation innovative uh, and minded to try things and uh, be prepared to see whether they're going to work or not so i think that that spit that feeling of uh, allowing us to be creative allowing us to take our time allowing us to be collaborative um, are some of the things that um, result when you're not driven only by profit I think it gives us a wider berth to think of not only the intentions, but the impacts of what we're doing. And while we're talking about environmental sustainability here, it is inextricably tied, as you know, to economic sustainability and to a, a good social system. And um, so I think of sustainable societies, sustainable communities what does that mean what does that look like how are these connected how do we engage and interact across those three spheres and so sometimes it does require make you know making trade-offs and i think that's just the reality but we want to make the trade-offs hopefully that are in consideration of how good environmental practices and sustainable practices result in more profitable long-term solutions that meet the needs of our customers and members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it was a good segue talking about how you're influencing even broader policy and things like that. Do, do you think that the world generally could benefit from taking a more cooperative, cooperatively minded approach to sustainability? Uh, yes, is the answer. But I think a lot of the world is doing that to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of what, what is the cooperative business model, where does it sit in a continuum of business models? If I put the joint stock capital company on one side and a, um, a social enterprise on the other side, the cooperative model sits kind of somewhere in the middle of that. And, and what I'm seeing is the not-for-profit social enterprise style of organization is its evolution is to become more fiscally responsible. It, it's sort of lots of passion, but we also need the business to work. And uh, passion without a good business sense will quickly disappear when the business fails. So we, we have to combine those. So I'm seeing that side come more toward the, the prudence of cooperative management. And then I see the joint stock capital companies for the last 20 years in under the guise of sustainability or ESG or CSR, moving very much to being paying more attention to the um, social and environmental aspects of their business, not because it's the right thing to do or not because they think it's tied to something, but because they see that as the fundamental path to success in organizations. So I, you know, perhaps what's happened is these two extremes have looked at 
the success of cooperatives and gone, we want a piece of that. Um, when I look at some of the membership programs that are out there from some major retailers, they look a lot like a cooperative membership benefit, but, uh, but they don't go and can't go where cooperatives are. That's what makes us unique. And they can never really get there. They can, but they still will try to, you know, I think there's, there's some, some great things that are happening. Uh, as well, I think that uh, cooperatives also can learn from some good work that's been done on either of those, those two extremes as well. So I think there's, the ecosystem is really open and transparent. We're all learning from each other. We're all moving forward. But I do see um, a, a more um, sincere and authentic care for the environment and society um, coming into the new leadership of publicly traded companies, um, which, uh, you know, is good to see because uh, ultimately if they become better at what they're doing, we all benefit from that. And I do see cooperatives uh, being, uh, having to play a bit of catch up in some cases uh, uh, in terms of, um, Disclosure, because we tend to disclose what our members need us to disclose. But now the world is driving us to be more transparent about that than perhaps we've been in the past. Yeah, thank you for that. Is is there anything else you would like to touch on as far as FCL sustainability that you um, think people would like to know about or, or anything else that you'd like to mention that maybe I didn't ask you? Yeah, well, one thing I, I will mention, it's, it's quite, quite exciting, actually. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've recently joined on behalf of the entire cooperative retailing system, the Canada Plastics Pact. This is a group of about 80 organizations who have got together and, and, uh, and it's, it's strongly supported within uh, in Environment Climate Change Canada as a mechanism for dealing with the persistent uh, packaging waste issue and plastics mm-hmm. issue. Uh, what I like about the PACT approach is that it includes representation from the entire life cycle or value chain. And because this is a problem that can't be solved by one organization, it can't be solved by the retail industry, it can't be solved only by the manufacturing industry or only by the packaging industry. It takes everybody involved to collaborate again Mm -hmm. and find a way to minimize or eliminate problematic packaging and plastics and minimize or optimize the use of packaging and plastics that can be easily recycled and introduced as part of a circular economy. So I think that, I think that there is opportunities. We're not saying no to an industry, not saying no to a sector. We're saying yes to all of it but let's put it in the context of what we need for a sustainable future. And that's really exciting. So we're at the beginning of that. Um, We've got a lot of work to do ahead of us. Um, Clearly the federal government has a keen interest in eliminating at least single use plastics and putting that forward in regulations that'll be coming out later this year. And we have to prepare for that, but this goes well beyond that. It, It is a proactive approach to get ahead of and provide solutions, real solutions that'll work for all Canadians. And I'm just really excited to be part of that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fantastic. 
Yeah, just on a personal note, Fern, it sounds like this is a personal passion for you. Environmentalism or environmental sustainability, just something that you've been really personally interested in for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, uh, yeah my background started in, in in earth sciences as an archaeologist, and and it's interesting to look past you know the past cultures and and the environmental implications of their societies and sort of bringing that into the future and saying, hey you know, we could learn from some of this. Mm -hmm. And then going forward, I, I just thought, I've always believed in that there is a way to, to properly manage both economic prosperity and ecosystem sustainability. I've always believed there is a way, or there, is a, there should be a, a way if the will was there. And I think we're getting there. I, it feels hopeful today. Um, our younger generation, far younger than I am, uh, are giving me hope because of the messages they're carrying and their commitment and passion. They understand this is real. They understand this will impact their quality of life. And uh, we all need to do our part. So yeah, I am passionate about it for sure. And I love the work that I'm doing here. Thank you for joining us. For more on us and what we do, visit cooperativesfirst.com. If you need resources for starting your own co-op, check out coopcreator.com. It's a great resource site that has everything you need to get a co-op up and running. To give us your thoughts on anything we discussed in this episode, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter as coops underscore first.